So excited to be here with you guys this morning. Um, so excited to, to open this word with you. It's so crazy how God knows what we're walking into like way before we ever know what we're walking into. Um, uh, like I'll, I'll be honest, Sunday morning last week, <laughs> I knew what I was going to talk about this week and it's just so crazy because I had no idea how relevant it was going to be. I was like, man, this will be good, but... Man, just in these moments this morning, um, just the relevance of this word is um, kind of beyond comprehension for me. And um, man, I just love that God is never surprised by where we're headed. Um, I think a lot of times we're surprised right by where we're headed. Like we show up and we're like, oh my gosh, everything's falling apart. This is so crazy. I can't imagine how all this stuff is going on today. But like, I just want you to know, like there's some of you God is speaking to this morning and he set that up in me last Sunday. And just way before that, he knew what you needed. And he's just waiting for this day, right? On the calendar before time ever began, he knew who'd be sitting here today. That's so good. And so just mind-blowing, before he ever spoke anything into existence, he knew that today we'd be sitting around this word, talking about this thing, and he knew that some of you needed it, and it was so relevant today. And I just, I love that God is that way, man. It blows my mind, um, just the scale that God is on. I can't even wrap my mind around it. Um, you, you read things like our God's in heaven, and he does whatever he pleases, and I think it's Psalm 103 or 105, it's right in there, look it up later. Maybe it's 103.5, I don't know, it's in there. Um, and it says, our God is in heaven and he does what he pleases. And it's just mind-blowing how, how, how meticulous he is in just planning everything. It says that he knows exactly the steps that we'll take in this life, that our days are written. And, and man, it's just so crazy that God knows us on that level, each one of us. And today, it's no accident. Anything that's happened today. I just want you to hear that because some of you are going through hard stuff today. And I just want you to know that like God is sovereign, right? There's nothing that's ever happened that's not been in some way the will of God. And I just want you to know that. And you see bad things and good things. And man, we could get into the will of God. And I'm not going there totally today. But God has perfect will, which means, man, that's the thing, right? That's what God wants. And it's what's going to happen. And then there's permissive will, which means it's God's will, that that happens and God's allowing it to happen. God allows bad things to happen. Can I just say that? Is that okay today? See, there's comfort in that to me. God's never surprised by the bad things. God allows bad things. And you're like, man, that, that's so crazy. God's so mean. No, if God has a plan to let us go in it, <laughs> he has a plan today to get us out of it. And that's the kind of God that we serve. And, and I just want you to know today, God's with you wherever you're at, and he's got a plan. And this morning, we're going to be in Mark um, 4. Um, just so, so crazy. I'm just blown away right now, to be honest, by God. Um, we're going to be in Mark 4, and, and we're going to just talk about this. Um, coming in, like I was like, I don't know if this is going to be a series. I still don't. Um, I have no name for it. It's not fancy today. It's just... Mark 4. We're going to talk about Mark 4. And um, you just put that on the podcast, I guess. Um, and talk about Mark 4 today. Um, and man, it's just so relevant in this place. Uh, like last week coming in, it's been a crazy week. I don't know if you've even seen the text messages that have come through, but like um, 
Sheila's mom's in the hospital. Tony fell last week and hurt his back. Just crazy. I could go on and on and on and on. Just crazy stuff. Anthony, uh, his dad's in the hospital this week on the way here. Anthony Ray got in a car wreck. It's just it's crazy stuff. And there's more. I just don't want to get in everybody's business. Um, but it's just so crazy um, what's going on this week. And I know we look at that and we're like, man, um, sometimes we get in this temptation to think God's like forgot us or that why would God let all these things happen? And and in reality, the truth of it is like bad stuff happens, right? Right. Like if you've been around for very long, maybe if you're a baby, you don't know that bad stuff happens. You're just kind of laying there and like flailing your arms and wishing somebody would feed you or change you. But like for everybody else, right, like bad stuff happens. And the truth of it is like you don't know what's going on in my life half the time and I don't know what's going on in your life half the time because until it's a really big thing right nobody can see it but odds are like all of us have gone through stuff that we'd just rather not go through this week but for some of us like man it's just been crazy this week and we get this temptation to think like God why do you allow bad things to happen and I can't answer why God allows everything to happen I will say that that everything that happens, God allows. And I know for some, man, it's so hard. This is so hard. No, it's so good. Why would you follow a God that was not in charge? Why would you follow a God that, that didn't have control over everything? Like if God can be surprised, he's not God and he's not very powerful, right? And like you read books like Job and, and these horrible things happen to Job and you look at that and you're like, God, why would you allow things like that to happen? And I can't, I can't answer that. But what I know is, man, I find comfort in the fact that even those things God allowed to happen. Yeah. That there's nobody stronger than God. If Satan today was like more powerful than God and he was stronger than God and they were, I think some of us have this idea of they're in like this cosmic arm wrestling match and maybe at the end if we pray enough that God will just take Satan down and that's just so false, man. <laughs> Satan's this little piddly looking thing to God, right? And at the end, he's going to flick him into a lake of fire, right? <laughs> that's how it's going to, that's in my mind, that's how it's going to work. Here's Satan, God's going to be like, okay, boop, <laughs> in the lake like that's the god that we serve and we can have this temptation in our humanness to be like god you're so mean that you would allow these things to happen but praise god at least we have a god that has to allow it to happen and this morning i can't explain all that but what i do want to see is is what happens in in a very literal storm because for so many of us, we're going through maybe not literal storms. It's not raining in here anyway, but, but spiritual storms. There's just crazy stuff happening around us. And, and, and really, the, the comfort behind that is, is, man, God's doing something in us. God doesn't waste storms. I just want you to know that. Like, God doesn't waste storms. He's, he's moving us closer to him in every one of these things. And, and you're like, God, why would you allow suffering to happen? Well, the same reason that God suffered it's because God knows everything and he sees beyond what we can see and we get this little piece of a puzzle and God sees the whole thing and maybe maybe this is the thing that brings us or somebody else into his presence. And, and today we're going to look at Mark 4 and we're going to look at this story of a very real storm and, and my prayer is that maybe God would just speak to us in wherever our storm is today and show us that, man, even in these moments, God is completely in control. God's not left us, he's not forgotten us, he holds us so tight. 
So just a little context, the book of Mark is a gospel. If you don't know what that is, it's like a narrative of Jesus' life. It's different than like the end half of the book, which is mostly um, letters uh, that talk to us about how to live out the Christian life. This is actually a book of how Jesus lived out his life here on earth. And Mark is my favorite gospel because Mark is the abbreviated gospel, which means the gospel for people who don't really like to read. It's the short one. Um, And in Mark 4... um, we see that Jesus is sitting down to teach people. Um, Jesus is doing what he often does when we see Jesus. He's always either teaching somebody or healing somebody, right? And then there at the end, he changes it up and he dies. And they put him in a hole and then he comes out, right? Like, but all the other time, he's doing one of these other things. And he, he sets down and he begins to teach. And this large crowd comes to him, something that also is not unusual. Uh, every time Jesus teaches, there's people that come. And I, I don't want us to get in our head today that all these people are followers of Jesus because they're not. A lot of these people come with different motives and expectations. They're people who are checking out Jesus, right? They've heard stories about how Jesus can heal people and maybe they're sick and they need healing and and they're coming to check it out or maybe they just want to see the sideshow, right? They've heard stories about how Jesus provides free lunch. That's pretty cool. Like, I'm going to go hang out with Jesus for a while. Maybe I'll get some free fish. He'll improve my life a little bit. And maybe that's why they're there. And maybe they've heard that Jesus teaches like nobody else ever teaches. And they're like, well, what's that about? I want to see that. But either way, like, these people are here. And there's a crowd. And and they've come to hear from Jesus. And and Jesus obliges. He sits down. Um, Actually, the crowd's so big this time, he sits down in a boat, right? And he kind of maybe pushes offshore a little bit, and they fill the banks on the Sea of Galilee, which is where all this is happening, and provides this, like, nice amphitheater effect. If you've ever been on a lake, like, don't talk about people bad on a lake if they're anywhere around the water because they're going to hear you because water amplifies things. So Jesus teaches in a way that every person gets to hear. Everybody gets a shot. It's not just the people that are snuggled up next to Jesus that are going to hear the message. It's everybody that's around is going to get to hear the message. And Jesus begins to teach, and he teaches a lot of things. And most of these things, at least, are about the kingdom of heaven, something that maybe some of these people will get to experience one day. Um, And he teaches all day long to what we have in, in this word. And it says in 35, which is kind of where we're going to enter the story, on that day or the same day he's been teaching in this boat, when evening had come, he's probably been teaching all day, he told them, them probably, presumably being the disciples here, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. Now, this is probably insignificant in this moment, but I just want you to hold on to that, that phrase. Let's cross over to the other side of the lake. If you've ever read this story, maybe you already have a preview of where I'm going with this, but it was Jesus' idea to leave the crowds and to cross over to the other side of the lake or the sea, here being the Sea of Galilee, a place where Jesus did most of his ministry. I think, in a way, Jesus knew that if he didn't leave this place, that the crowds were not going to leave and go home. They would have sat and listened to Jesus all day, maybe all night, maybe all day the next day. If Jesus would have walked into town, people would have followed him. And Jesus, in a way, was maybe trying to leave the crowd for a while. I do also believe that Jesus had a very specific appointment that he was headed towards in Matthew 5 where he would heal a man that was afflicted by demons. Uh, He was heading over into Gentile territory, by the way. The other side of the lake was not Jewish land. It was heathen like us land, right? And he was headed over there to, to do a thing. 
but also believe Jesus was doing something even in this moment of we're going to cross this lake. It says, so they left the crowd and took him along since he was already in the boat. Now, I love that. Um, This is like, you ever read the Bible and think like, that's just kind of crazy. Like the way they wrote that. You ever just laugh a little bit when you're, this is that moment for me, right? Like, oh, well, that was so nice of you to take Jesus along since he was already in the boat. Man, you guys are sweet because you didn't leave him there. Yeah, it was Jesus' idea, right? Like, he was the one, like, just one verse above. He was like, hey, by the way, um, I think we should go to the other side. And then the the writer, Mark, here comes back, and he's like, so we took him. (laughs) What else were we going to do? He was already in the boat. Like, you can't just throw Jesus out. It was Jesus' idea, but somehow they have this way of, we do it too, right? Like, making it our idea. And now I guess we'll just take Jesus since he's already here. And it says, the other boats were with him. Now, it's not just one boat, right? And Jesus and the disciples, there's more boats. These are like the hardcore Jesus fans right here. Like, <laughs> they're like, oh, you other suckers up there on the land, you can't go where he's going, but we brought our boat. These are the Boy Scout of Jesus follower crowd right here, right? Like, they are prepared. Jesus in a boat, so we're going to be in a boat. Like, those are these guys. So they go with him. And it says, as they were going right across, that a fierce windstorm arose. As they were going, a fierce windstorm arose. This is not unusual for the Sea of Galilee. Um, I don't know if you know much about the region. I've never been there. Some of you maybe even have. But it sets about, I think it's 700 feet below sea level, which is low. And it's surrounded by all sides to what I've read, because I've never been there, by these highlands or this kind of mountainous region, especially towards the north. And in the north, there's a mountain called, I think, Mount Hermon. Um, and it sets about 9,000 feet above sea level. So about 9,700 feet kind of separate the two. Um, and what happens is there's this warm air kind of down below sea level and this cold air up above and it, and it hits each other and it frequently like creates storms. It's kind of the same thing that happens in the spring, right? We're coming out of winter, there's cold air and then warm air hits the cold air and it creates storms. And it's something that happens frequently on the Sea of Galilee. Something that really, in all honesty, these people, most of them anyway, would have been prepared for, right? How many disciples were fishermen? Right? It's something they had experienced before. They made their living on the Sea of Galilee before they met Jesus. There had been storms, but it does say a fierce storm. So all those storms are common. This one was maybe a little worse than normal, everyday rainstorms. Can I just say, like, this is a very physical thing, but, man, aren't, isn't it true that storms are a common thing in our life? Right, like we go through stuff. If you've been around very long, unless you live a very sheltered life where everybody else kind of gets around you and takes the hits, right? Like you, you go through stuff. Right. From even even young people in the room, like we go through stuff, right? You're in maybe school still. You go through stuff. Older people, you go through stuff. Everybody goes through stuff, and some of our stuff is like a little like summer shower, right? Where it's like this is annoying, but but it's not really the big deal, but, but some of us, and maybe all of us, have been through moments in life where we feel like everything's just ripping apart, right? Like it's the hurricane of the storms in life. And what do we do in those, those moments, right? We like scramble around and we try to do whatever we can do to salvage whatever we can, right? 
That's what I do. Maybe you guys are more spiritual than me, and you're like down on your knees, and you're like, God, just do this thing. But like, I'm like, I'm going to try to fix this. I go into panic mode, and I'm like, I got to do the thing, and I got to get all the stuff done and just try to make the best out of it. So it says there was a fierce windstorm that arose, and it says, and, and the waves were breaking over the boat. I don't know if you've been in a boat, but a boat's not the best place to be in a storm, right? It says the waves were breaking over the side of the boat. And it says so that the boat was already being swamped or flooded or there was water accumulating in the bottom of the boat. However you want to put that. Um, This is bad news. Boats are great when the water's on the outside, right? Like that's that's the one job of the boat is like keep the water out there. But here is a boat that's not necessarily doing its job in this moment. And, and you're in the boat, and it's dark, right? Because it was already evening when he decided, to, hey, we should go across the other side. It's dark. They don't have, like, KUB at this point in time in the Middle East. So um, there's not, like, lit-up areas where you can see there's a city and there's a city. And there's, there's not, like, some lighthouse kind of deal over here telling you where shore is. So if you can get this moment, they're in the middle of... Sea of Galilee, or somewhere presumably away from shore, maybe not dead center, and a storm pops up, and it's a bad storm, and kind of immediately as the storm hits, the waves start breaking over the boat, and water starts accumulating into the boat. I don't know about you, but this is panic mode moment for me, right? Because the boat, if it has enough water in it, is going down. And some of these guys are experienced enough with storms, they're aware of that, right? Like maybe Levi, Matthew, tax collector, he's like, oh, I don't know, you know, like, what, what do you think, Peter? Like, you know, like, he's, he's maybe not been through this kind of deal, but, but there's some guys on this boat that have been through storms enough to know, like, water in boat equals bad. And here's this boat filling up with water, and, and you're going into, at this point in time, what I would call panic mode, right? Like red button send off the sirens like this is a bad deal because if the boat goes down you don't have great shots you don't know where the shore is you're in a storm so the water's already rough maybe some of them can swim probably the fishermen a lot of them maybe can't tax collectors i don't know maybe they had pool parties i have no idea but but what i do know is man this is not a good situation and if I was on the boat, what I know, and I'm just reading in a little bit, putting some human into the story, because I am one, what I would immediately do is, like, what? Try to get the water out of the boat. Okay, now, Levi, his idea might be horrible. Well, if we just put a hole in the bottom, then it'll drain out, right? <laughs> He's not a fisherman. He doesn't know. So maybe they don't listen to him. But, like, the other guys are like, okay, we got to drop the sail, and we got to everybody grab some buckets, and we'll just start throwing water, because maybe, just maybe, we can salvage this thing. But in all that, what are the real emotions kind of living under that? Well, fear, right? Because if this thing falls apart, we're going down. We might die. There's got to be uncertainty in this moment. There's there's a lot of things going on in this story that you don't just get in like a couple verses. But, But what I know is, man, this is really something that happened to real people. And for me, I would be in mega freakout mode. So it says they were already being swamped, probably trying to get the water back out of the bow. 
And it says in 38, apparently they look around, uh, but he, being Jesus, was in the stern, that's the back of the boat, and he was doing something unusual. He was sleeping on a cushion. Hold, wait. (laughs) Can you imagine this? Here's Peter, Bartholomew, all the guys, and they're chucking water and putting down the sails and trying to figure out something because who knows what's going on. And we're not even concerned about the other boats anymore because we're just trying to get through with our boat and it's maybe going down. And then all of a sudden, somebody looks around and just out of the corner of their eye, they see Jesus sleeping on a cushion comfortably, right? In the back of the boat. Now, it's raised, so Jesus is probably not in the water yet. But Jesus is sleeping. Can you imagine seeing that? Like, there'd be some frustration in that, right? Like, the whole way, pause, right? Like, we're doing everything we can just to survive, and you're in the back of the boat sleeping. There would be a little bit of frustration come up in that. And it says, so they woke him. That's a good idea. They went back there. I don't know who they is, but it's some of the disciples, right? Hopefully somebody's still throwing water. It says they woke him up and they said to him, and and, and I relate to this. Teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? Teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? Now, I'm not asking for you to like raise your hand today and just confess for everybody, but for a lot of us, we can relate to that statement right there. Because we've been through something and maybe we're living in something right now and we feel like everything's falling apart and we're doing everything we can just to try to like tie everything back together and hold everything down and just salvage something, right? Like just make something out of this. Just try to not completely just be obliterated. We're doing everything because we're in panic mode. And then in all honesty, what we feel like in those moments is, God, where are you at? God, where are you at? God, why would you allow this to happen, right? Why would you not rescue me from this? Why would you allow me to go through this? What would would possess a good God to allow me to experience this? You been there? This was not a, hey, Jesus, wake up. We need your assistance, right? This was some frustration. This was probably one of the most honest moments, maybe even in here, from anybody other than Jesus, right? Because frustrated moments are honest moments. You want to know what somebody's really like? Tick them off, right? That's them, right? You found them, right? And here it is. This is a, Jesus, like we are dying. Wake, don't you care? Don't you care? Can you not see the rain's coming, wind's coming, a lot of water in the boat, you're asleep in the back, don't you care that we're about to die? This is that moment. And what they're looking for in this moment, I believe, is not something supernatural. And you can be like, well, I don't know that. We'll read some more and I can argue with you towards the end. 
But they're not looking for something supernatural in this moment. They're not looking for Jesus who heals people and who just the other day maybe multiplied lots of things. They're not, they're not looking for supernatural Jesus to get up. and do. They're just looking for a hand, right? Jesus, there's an extra bucket. I'm going to need you to be on my team here. I just need you to, you stand here and just pail water. That's what I want you to do. Right? Their plan is Jesus get up and do something. I don't care what the something is. I just want you to be involved in this. If I'm trying to salvage everything, you should at least be over here with me trying to salvage everything. This is that moment. But here's the crazy. Jesus is never interested in that. He's never interested in salvaging a moment. Right? Jesus is not a great salvager, right? Like he's not a junker. He's not like going to the junkyard and like trying to find antiques. That's not what Jesus does. He doesn't, he, he doesn't operate in that way. So they look at Jesus and they're like, you need to get up and do something, man. There's a bucket over there. You can be taking that sail down. You can be over there with Matthew trying to drill a hole. Whatever you need to do, right? Like his plan may be stupid, but it's a plan. You're not doing anything. And they're frustrated in this moment. And they're honest about their frustration. Which honestly I believe is okay. Because at least you're honest. And it says in 39, this is what Jesus did. He got up. This was like the end of their plan. Right? Okay, mission accomplished. He's awake now. Like that's all they got. And it says, Jesus got up and he did something crazy, something that actually nobody else would have ever thought about. Like, this is a completely Jesus idea, right? He got up and it says he rebuked the wind. Now, that's just a fancy word for Jesus actually fussed at the wind. And then it said he said or spoke to the sea. And he said, there's a couple words, right? Silence, be still. It's like all he said. Now, how many of us, like, that would have been our plan in this moment? <laughs> Jesus, I'm going to need you to get up and just talk to the wind about how it's acting today. Can you just, can you just fuss at the wind? Tell it if it doesn't quit, you're going to take it out back. Like, and, you know, like, <laughs> none of us, right, would have come up with that plan. None of us would have been like, Jesus, you know, like, you, you walk on water. Do you, you want to just talk to it? Just remind it like it has to do what you want. And you know. None of us would have come up with that, right? It's a completely Jesus idea. Actually, there's nobody else that can even do that, right? Like, have you ever tried that? Like, just go out, it's raining, and you're like, fresh. I'm trying to go play golf. Hey, you need to quit. Like, because he wouldn't listen. You might just convenience it one day and just happen to time it right, but, but you, you don't have that ability. See, I think a lot of times what happens is in, in, in these moments when we're in salvage mode, what we want to do is we want to try to tell Jesus how to do Jesus' job. And really, the ultimate thing is, like, Jesus already knows how to do his job. Jesus actually can do what Jesus is going to do in a way that you never would have even thought of. So you're looking around, you're like, well, if you could just move this thing and move this thing and move this thing, then this thing will work out all right. And he's like, I'm not interested in all right. See, I don't, I don't do mediocre I do majestic. I don't want to do like halfway. I do miraculous. Like there's no part of me that just wants to see this thing like equal out and even out to a way that's acceptable for all of us. I'm trying to drag you in to something amazing over here. 
So Jesus gets up and he walks maybe to the front of the boat. He probably didn't have to go anywhere. They can hear. And, and he just starts speaking to the wind and the waves. And he says just a couple words. Silence be still. And this is what happened. right? The wind ceased or stopped. And there was a great calm. There was a great calm. Not just like a calm, right? We would have settled for just kind of make it die down a little bit. If you could just keep the water out of the boat. If you could just grab a bucket and throw some out, right? But Jesus is like, no, I don't do that. He spoke to the wind and the waves and it stopped just as if it had never existed, right? It's a flat. Can you imagine like we just had water shooting over the side and now it's like, okay. There's not even a ripple. Because the creator has command over all of creation right the jesus that spoke waves into existence has no problem just speaking waves into stopping the jesus who's come up with the idea for wind and then created it he has no no problem just saying you know what you should probably quit that now and it it listens in a way that we can't comprehend because we don't even listen like that we're the only part of creation that's confused about who the lord is It didn't matter if the wind wanted to stop or felt like stopping or thought it was a good idea to stop. It was like, all right, man, you're the boss. And it did. And there was a great calm. Calmer than it was before. And then this is what Jesus said. Why are you fearful? I love this because it's probably more like this. Now, what were you afraid of? Can you remind me why you woke me up? Can can you just maybe fill me in on why you guys are screaming right now and why you got a bucket, right? Like, what's the deal? What is the deal? Why are you fearful or why why are you freaking out? And then he says this, do you still have no faith? Now, how many of you, when you read that, you read that like Jesus is mad? You read it and you're like, Jesus is like, God, you guys are idiots. You guys are so stupid. Like, I just, you've seen me do all these crazy things. We're, we're like four chapters in and this is the short gospel. So that's like eight in a normal gospel. We're like four chapters in. You've seen me do all these crazy things and I, you know that like I'm unlike anybody else on the planet. Why are you guys so dumb? How many of you read it like that? Can I just say that is not, I believe, how he said it. I don't believe Jesus ever looks at us and says that you're an idiot. I can't find that anywhere in the Bible. Jesus is a corrector. He's not a condemner, right? I didn't come into the world to tell the world how stupid it was. I come to save it and make it more like me. Romans, right? There's no condemnation for those in Christ. I've never found anywhere where Jesus is looking at us and like, you guys are idiots, you still don't get it. I brought you through the last storm, I brought you through the storm before that, I brought you through the storm before that. You guys are dumb. I've never read that. Never read that. But I do think what he's saying here is um, 
Do you guys not see it yet? Do you, guys, do you, do you not get it yet? <laughs> you, you know, like, how there was that guy who'd never walked before, and I was like, get up, and he did. Nobody else can do that. Not one other person that's ever existed like, can do, to, has power in their self to do that. That's me. You know how like there was that guy who's never seen anything before and he was sitting there and I just healed him and now he sees like he'd never seen and now he sees. Nobody else has power in their self to do that. You know like how I've spoken to people who are dead, like dead, like no heartbeat, like been on a table for a while cold. You, you know that. And I've said rise and get up and they're like up nobody else can do that you know how like i just a couple fish and a couple loaves of bread and we fed all those people and then you took up at the end more than we had at the beginning yeah nobody else can do that and if i can do that and I can do that, and I can, I can do that, and I, I can do that. What do you have to worry about? What, what do you have to worry about? See, in, in reality, these people, like us, have seen God do miraculous thing over and over and over and over and over again. And suddenly we get into this moment where everything's falling apart, and we just forget who the guy is. We forget that he's rescued us and rescued us and rescued us and rescued us and rescued us. And, and, and then we're sitting there and we're like, oh, I've got to do all these things and I've got to get all these things. And we forget that the one who's rescued us still is the same one that today can rescue us. And he's willing and ready. And I think what Jesus would say in, in those moments, in, in this moment maybe for you, is still here. Still right here. Still right here. I, mean, I know you're, you're yelling like, hey, get up. And I'm just saying like, I'm, I'm right here. I know you're saying like, where are you at? And I'm, I'm just saying like, I'm, I'm right here. I'm right where I've been. See, in reality, Jesus did what? He invited them into this storm. They were on the shore. I believe in a God who knows everything. Today, I believe that. I believe in a God who's never surprised. I believe in a God who knows what I'm going to eat for lunch tomorrow, what socks I'm going to wear three weeks from now. I believe in a God who knows what I'm going to look like when I'm 45 years old, right? Like if I make it that far, like I, I believe in that God. I believe the God who, who last Sunday said, hey, guess what? This is the message you're going to preach. And then everything in the world's blowing up today. I believe in that God. I believe in a God who's never surprised, who's never caught off guard, who, who never doesn't have a plan. Actually, the only thing that exists is his plan. I believe in that God. And today, I believe for every person in this room, God's saying, I'm still right here. I'm still right here. I'm still that God. And I would say to you, no matter where you are today, you are exactly in this moment where God wants you to be. Because I don't believe there's anywhere else you can be. 
If you're in a storm today, what I'm saying is I believe that even in this storm, you are exactly in a storm that God invited you into. But I also believe that he's the same God that will bring you out of it. See, that's what it is to believe in the sovereignty of God, that, that God is never caught off guard, and actually even it's his idea. Yeah. Well, that sounds rude. Is it? Because it's a God who also is affected by his own sovereignty, isn't it? That's why you can read stories all the way from Genesis 3 about how there's going to be this person that comes. And he's going to get in this match with the serpent and he's going to squish the serpent's head and he's going to be pierced. That's why you can read in Isaiah 53 pretty much word for word what's going to take place on the cross. See, in reality, God even allowed bad things to happen to God. I don't know about you, but I've never experienced anything like the cross. Right? To live 33 and a half years under holiness, right? Never messed up, never done anything wrong. There's never been a moment where I have ever failed, right? I don't even know what that experience was like this morning. And for 33 and a half years, Jesus was perfectly good and perfectly innocent. And because of the sovereign will of God, not because of Romans, not because of Pilate, not because of the Jews, but because of the sovereign will of God, because God made the decision before he ever created the universe that Jesus would die. God was nailed, beaten, mocked, and killed, and murdered to exchange places with us. You know why? Because all things work together for the good of those who love him. Like what more sign that God is in charge in the storm is there? What, what more sign is there that God doesn't turn his back on us? What more sign is there that God never leaves us? And when everything's going nuts, God still has a plan. What better sign is there? Hell, not all-knowing, not sovereign, celebrated, right? We killed Jesus. We did the ultimate bad. God's redemption plan is over. And he said, no, you didn't. I allowed you. To make my son the sacrifice that would save anybody who'd believe. Hell, you thought you accomplished the ultimate bad, but I allowed it because I knew it was the ultimate good. Now, I'm not saying that your storm is going to bring about the ultimate good. But I am saying that that's the kind of God we serve. A God who will let us go through things knowing that at the end of the day, He is the God who always flips the script. He's the God who always has read to the end. He's the God who always plans and writes everything to work out for the good of those who love Him. Why? Because God is good. Today, God is good. Tomorrow, God is good. Whatever you're going through right now, I believe it and I know it. God is good. God is good. And he allows, he allows things to happen 
knowing ultimately the end of the story is not just going to be something we can all tolerate. It's going to be majestic. And God is inviting you in to trust in that today. God is inviting you in to trust in the majesty of a God who knows what the last page looks like today. God's inviting you in today to trust in the majesty of a God who even knows on bad days that he's working everything together. He's sewing everything together. He's knitting everything together for the good. He's inviting you in today to trust in a God who is always in charge, always sovereign, all-knowing, who, who puts up, right? Who puts up with a little bit of bad, knowing that at the end of the day, it's all going to be for our good and for His glory. That's the God we're serving today. I just want to say to you today, if you're in a storm, God sees you and he knows you. And he's not left you. And this may be a little harsh, but I believe that he invited you in. But he didn't send you in alone. He walked into that storm with you. And he's going to walk right out of it with you. He's not going to leave you in the storm. He's not going to forget you in the storm. He's not going to drop your hand and scoot out without you. He's holding on to you today. And you just need to hold on to him. Because in a day or a month or a year, whatever it looks like, there's going to be a moment where you come out of that storm just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walked out of the fire. There's going to be a day where you come out and there's going to be people standing around and they're going to be looking at that. They're going to be watching you. And they're going to say, man, your hair's not even messed up. How'd you do it? God, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. But I held on. And so did he. So here I am. Let's pray.